Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story, and one of the best stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons of the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data. From Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware, Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based championship team. This is the Cactus League Report. Going, going, goodbye baseball. On Seattle Sports Station, the Seattle Sports app, and seattlesports.com. What a night for Marco Gonzalez. Now, the Cactus League Report. Yes, it is the Cactus League Report. Happy weekend. We are happy to have Mariners baseball on the radio for you live from Marysvale as the Mariners take on the Brew Crew today. Aaron Goldsmith, Shannon Dreher, Gary Hill, the great Matt Nelson inside the studio. You know, guys, it is, um, it's not sunny, but it is 90 degrees, which you can only get here in Phoenix. <laughs> and it's not peaked yet. It's not peaked. 96, I think we're looking at today. I mean, well, you've got your windows open, but that press box, oh ice God. box. The press box is a, ice it's box. a freezer. <laughs> it's a freezer. <laughs> I will be fine if anybody is worried. Well, uh, guys, it's uh, good to be with you once again for another Cactus League report. We've got a pretty full show. We'll be hearing from Jerry DePoto coming up a short while from now, an excerpt from the latest Wheelhouse podcast. Corey Brock from The Athletic swings by as well, and that's just the start of things for the next hour, taking you up to the pregame show and first pitch, Mariners and the Brewers with Chris Flexen up on the hill. Uh, pitching. Let's talk a little pitching to begin things. Uh, we've seen some uh, exciting things up on the mound. I don't think we've really seen anything bad on the hill, which is a good start to spring. Uh, let's talk about what I would classify as a top two cool thing that we've seen so far in spring training, and that is the Logan Gilbert slider. I mean, the slider that he was throwing out there in Goodyear the other day was unlike anything we have ever seen from him, and I I don't know how much of a game-changer that is. It's hard to quantify, but that's a game-changer for Logan Gilbert. Scott Service the next day was still raving about that and said it's the best performance he's seen in quite a while. And I don't think he was just talking about Logan in mm-hmm. spring training. I mean, they were pretty blown away by what they saw. And remember that with the lockout, I mean, they didn't know what he was doing for 99 days. And they had talked to him about refining the secondaries the way that he did, but had no idea until he showed up until camp. I had a conversation with, you know, and I got a preview of wait till you see this. And But still... Seeing it, like, it, it, Game Changer, I think, is the right way to frame that because it does feel like a Game Changer for Logan Gilbert because the, the fastball is there. By the way, he was, what, sitting? I, I, think, th- yeah. I think I think that's a great point because the slider kind of buries the fact that he was sitting 96 yeah. Yeah. and touching 98, Yeah, which, I mean, not that he didn't do last year, but his average fastball was 95. 
And we saw a lot of 97, 98s. And, and I don't know, I, I guess in some ways I'm surprised by that given his first start. Uh, I don't know, maybe he could air it out a little bit more because he was only going a few innings. But at the same time, you don't think of a guy airing it out in his spring debut. So I think there was a, there was a lot of intrigue there with, with Logan. And it's not only the slider. I've had multiple conversations now where it's, hey, great slider. Don't forget about the changeup. That was really good, too, in the start. So you think about all the success he had last year. He really had some flashes last year. And when, and, sorry. No, no. When you think about what he did last year, he wasn't what we thought he would be. We had yeah. heard that there was a curveball, and we never saw the curveball. He didn't feel good about the curveball. He was trying the changeup. It was, eh. To see him throw the changeup for a strikeout mm -hmm. on a 3-2 count, and then to see the curveball a little firmer, a little harder, and talking to him afterwards, he said, you know, obviously the fastball and the slider were fantastic. Uh, tunneling is going to be a big thing with that, but he said that it will change his repertoire, and now he feels better about the other two pitches. So he could be going from being essentially a two-pitch pitcher last year to four. And you, it feels like he can change. When you look at the rotation as a whole, and I, I think you feel great clearly about Robbie Ray and Marco. I think we feel really good about Flexen coming into the season. But you think about the ceiling for Gilbert and what he could produce this season and where that could move the rotation as a unit. I could. It's a big deal, I think. I think that is a, an overarching theme for the 2022 Mariners. I think you can look at a lot of positions, maybe um, maybe over half. That might be overstating it. And you can look at the personnel there and say, man, there's a, there's a pretty wide spectrum for how they might perform this year because you have a majority of your position players who are either a very young and not fully proven or – players that are coming off a career year right you think about more veteran type players like ty france and jp crawford okay i mean will ty france go from a 291 hitter to over 300 with additional power right like will we see 30 home runs from ty france this year uh will jp continue to do what he did last year offensively and then you have the younger core of players like cal raleigh or jared kalnick or potentially certainly at some point maybe to begin the season julio rodriguez and then you look in the rotation a guy like logan logan may have as high a ceiling mm -hmm. upside as, as anybody on this 28-man roster in april based on to you exactly what you said i mean he does he have Robbie Ray type stuff? I mean, will that slider become something in that neighborhood with greater velocity on the fastball? I'm not saying he's Robbie Ray. He's not the Cy Young winner, but I mean, from what we the tools are there. From what clearly. we the we, tools are there. I mean, we none of us want to blow up a a spring training start. I know we want to remember yeah. where we are and uh, kind of where this is on the calendar. But I don't think it would it would not surprise anyone in this organization if. Logan Gilbert had maybe the best season of any Mariners pitcher this year. As Justin Hollander said last week on this show, you know, this is all just fun. Don't read into spring training too much unless a significant change mm -hmm. has been made. And a significant change has been made. He's changed that pitch and the other pitches. So why not get a little bit excited about it? Yeah, and that's right. I mean, it, it's never about the results. I mean, batting average, who cares in spring training? But it's it's when you see something like that and that's what that's what spring is for me we get a chance to see george kirby for the first time see brash on the mound for the first time see their stuff see what they're like but then if there's a change 
And clearly, there's a big change from kind of the, the sweeper that Gilbert was throwing before to a pretty devastating slider. And when you hear DeGrom thrown in the mix with someone he's working with, <laughs> By the way. that is not a bad thing. <laughs> no, it's not at all. That is not a bad thing. Hey, maybe another, uh, I don't know, top five thing in camp that we uh, have seen so far. We saw last night. Andres Munoz is not somebody that received a whole lot of fanfare uh, since being acquired by the Mariners, namely because we haven't seen him. He's been recovering from Tommy John since being acquired from San Diego. Uh, we heard about the, the legends of this live BP where he struck out, what, yeah, it was Kyle Lewis. It was... Uh, Sousa Jr. was in there, I Sousa think. in there. And there's one other batter on like 11 pitches. Cal Raleigh was, I think, yeah, the, in the, sl- mix the too. slowest was 99, and yeah. the hottest was 102 or 103. Yes. And then we saw him last night on the mound for the first time, and he touched 101. And I mean, this is this is who they thought they were getting. Mm-hmm. And it's as Jerry described to us, like the grin on his face I know. after the live BP of like, yeah, that's yeah, that's pretty good. <laughs> yeah, because he knows. I mean, you're you're talking about a young man who has. Uh, not just an elite arm, but this is a, a, a incredibly special arm that he will be. He'll be on the short list of guys who throw 100 miles an hour, you know, like 150 or 200 times this season because it's all he does when he throws a fastball. And it's amazing to think about where he fits in the bullpen and the stuff. I mean, there's going to be games where he's going to get rolled out in the sixth inning. You know right, what I mean? Yeah. Like he, it's especially to start the season. Like he's, you do not have to put him in the highest leverage situations. And you wouldn't. And you wouldn't. Because of his experience. But it's amazing to have that kind of stuff in situations where sixth, you know, it, right. it, it goes to the depth of the bullpen and the just the the filth that this bullpen is going to offer this year. It's pretty yeah. staggering. Which bucket is he going to go into? Scott Service has his bucket of relievers. Oh, yeah. But, you know, by the end of the season. I mean, it's just yeah. the leverage arms. I mean, that bucket could be overflowing. We'll see. Things change. I'd point out also it was good to see Ken Giles take another step forward. Uh, coming back from his surgery mm-hmm. last night, he did look sharper, did have a little bit more velocity, and he certainly has that experience, which is fantastic. Yeah. You know, I not to retract the statement i just made that you know he won't be pitching in high leverage situations early i i, I agree with that i agree with myself i don't think that's going to happen so you agree I often, and disagree i often with agree and disagree with myself nice. but a lot. Like, i wouldn't scott i think scott has done such a generally speaking masterful job managing his bullpen mm-hmm. that i don't i wouldn't be surprised at all if in the back half of the season if muñoz does progress does get more comfortable we know how his stuff will will play I wouldn't be surprised at all if Scott starts bumping him up sure. the pecking order because why would you why would you hamstring yourself when you have one of the most elite arms in the game, right? So I think that that'll be a fun thing to track as the yeah. season progresses, kind of where he where he is used. One oh two is hard to hit. I'd open with him, you know. <laughs> <laughs> We're not doing yeah. that again. No, no, Here, no. Uh, let's, let's ask Sergio Romo how he feels about that. We first. should find you for saying that. <laughs> the opener is gone, man. That, that was here and then it's gone. Well, we are uh, just off the ground here on the Cactus League Report. The Mariners are in Marysville today, taking on the Brewers. First pitch in that one is about an hour or so away. We're taking you up to first pitch. When we come back, we were just discussing a conversation with Jerry DePoto. We'll hear some of that conversation. We'll get him some of his overarching thoughts on spring training. Also, hear him talk a little about Julio. All that straight ahead. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? 
Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Right now we hand things over to the latest edition of the Wheelhouse Podcast, a sneak peek. Not quite released yet, but we'll be coming to your podcast player in the next day or two. Here is Gary, myself, and Jerry DePoto. Adam Frazier and Robbie Ray, more recently the additions of Gino Suarez and Jesse Winker. It's a, and I guess even more more recently, the, the acquisition of Sergio Romo. Such a fun offseason for us, and, and we feel like we've just created the deepest roster that we've had since we've been here, you know, since dating back to 2016. And, and the potential for impact exists with growth from young players, and we've seen it. You know, we're seeing it up close and personal. We saw some yesterday out in Goodyear with Logan Gilbert. We've seen some with Julio Rodriguez, who is I, – I, can't even describe all the different ways that he's that he has changed and evolved his game and in in so many impressive ways we can talk about that we're seeing it with a new and what i think is better more adjusted version of jared kelnick which is exciting um and we're seeing it with a host of young players that started with our mini camp which opened boy the days are running together on me now but we've been down here eh, probably about a month and a half, close to seven weeks. And, and our mini camp group, which was the most talented we've ever had, you know, included some of the guys who are now competing for our fifth starter spot, guys like George Kirby, Levi Stout. Uh, unfortunately, Matt Brash wasn't there, but he's also in that mix. We, we had so many young players that we hadn't had a chance to see, the Harry Fords and the Edwin Arroyos and, and seeing where they've come from. Come from. And the latest wave of new guys who went from throwing 90 to, to 98. <laughs> so it's uh, it's been such a, a fun transition into 2022. And thank goodness the lockout's behind us and we can just focus on Mariners baseball. Well, we wanted to uh, talk about a number of different things, but I don't, I don't think we can go much further without digging into Julio a little mm. bit more. Uh, he has been the talk of camp, and it's kind of strange uh, that even in spring training when you just kind of feel the ballpark shift when a guy walks towards home plate. And that's what's happened here in Peoria for home games in particular when when Julio comes up to the plate. I think we should first uh, have a kind of a, a ex- baseball executive viewpoint on spring training, right? Like spring training stats, spring training performance. Like how do you guys, before we dig into Julio, how do you guys view what you see on the field and pertaining to making decisions? I mean, it matters. We, we don't really pay attention to traditional statistics so much. You know, you may get some of the best hitters in the league who go out and hit 100 in spring training, and, and it doesn't mean that they're no longer the best players in the league. You may get a, a pitcher, for instance, you know, when I was with the Diamondbacks for many years, we had one of the best starting pitchers in the National League in Brandon Webb who is not historically a spring training performer. You know, he he needed the league to ramp up before he was ready to do his thing and start spinning off their barrels. But, you know, I I think as we watch, you know, Marco Gonzalez has not historically blown you away in spring training, but he's an awesome regular season starting pitcher. And, you know, the first look at at, at, at those players as they get ready can sometimes be deceiving. But that being said, you're watching what they do and 
how hard they hit the ball matters. The mm-hmm. quality of the and crispness of their breaking stuff matters. You know, assessing the tools matters. But mostly the the thing we're looking for is how emotionally prepared do they seem? You know, it's in some cases, and we've we talked about this a little bit, maybe in the last two years with the the novelty or, or I guess no longer novelty, the, the world we lived in for the last two years in the world of COVID. You know, many of our young players have never pitched or played in front of a crowd as big as what they're seeing in spring training, ever. You know, f- final, final. So if they see a game, you know, at at, at Salt River or here in Peoria or over at Sloan Park where we get, you know, 8,000, 10,000, 12,000 people, they've never played in front of crowds that big. So having the opportunity to give them that as the, 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 the runway is important. And, uh, you know, I would say Julio appears to not be bothered by how many people are sitting there and, and what the expectations are. He thrives on it, and, I, and he has performed extraordinarily well and, and every, checked every one of those boxes that we just mentioned to this point. One of the things I've been most curious about heading into this camp, and I knew we would see it, Julio in center field. So what have you seen from who, who by the way, I, he has been adamant about, I can play center field. He's been vocal about it. He's told everybody. What have you seen from Julio in center? Well, he told me that he was going to do it, first of all. <laughs> yes. And it's a, he, he's running like Billy Hamilton, <laughs> it's a, which none of us expected. I mean, when we signed Julio, we thought he was a plus runner. Typically, as guys start to grow and they get more physical, that backs up. You know, and, and you're, you're – Julio's now standing about 6'4", mm. and, and it's a, it is not a, a you know, wispy 6'4". He is a, a, he is a rugged-built 6'4 center fielder who is now running not just average to, to 55, which is what we would have seen from him in, in the few years past. He's running like 70 run speed right now, which is – rather shocking you know he's a, he's running up the line like a left-handed hitter on a ground ball to mm-hmm. second base which none of us could have anticipated and the ground that he's covered in center field even yesterday out in Goodyear or I guess I don't know when we'll, we'll post this but the game we played in Goodyear against the Indians with a super high sky that is notoriously difficult on outfielders in this league I and Miles Straw on the other side who I think is an excellent center fielder looked like he was playing in Goodyear and Julio was out there just he looked like it was just another day with this is what I do. I am a good center fielder. And it looks that way. He's been awesome. I think it's exciting. You have actually set up the possibility of the Billy Hamilton Julio Rodriguez foot race, which will be oh. pretty fun. <laughs> I don't want to see that, frankly. You know, it's a, I'd like them all to get to the opening bell healthy. You have all the data of Julio and his quality of contact. We see it and we hear it. I mean, everything that he hits so far here in spring has been hit hard. We know he's strong. We know he's physical. But what enables him beyond just brute strength to be able to consistently make that great a quality contact? Good vision. You know, I mean, is the first thing that comes to mind. He's got good vision. His pitch selection has improved every year he's been in the system. He swings at better and better pitches, which is what results in being a better hitter at time, you know, I guess over time. But he sees the ball well and and to barrel it up as frequently as he does you know the the home run he hit in his first at bat in the spring which first of all you know it dropped the mic that's pretty good (laughs) but the the home run that he hit the two days prior he was in his live bps against you know major league quality pitchers as they're preparing and on consecutive days i I think the, the first day he hit a ball 113 miles an hour 
and and rocketed the the ball into left center field and that we turned around each other how many balls did we have hit 113 miles an hour last year by a mariner none (laughs) and so it was the next day he hit a home run to left field 114 miles an hour off the bat we're like all right we know the answer to this one (laughs) and uh and then he came out here and i believe the ball he hit out of the ballpark was 117 miles an hour with a trajectory that was roughly about head high he's he he has done things that have demanded notice. It's how hard he's hitting the ball, how quickly he's running, how easily he's he's adjusted to center field. The quality of his throwing arm has never been an issue. The accuracy is has kind of gone to a different level. And if you've been watching, you know, his first week of games, that's been an obvious improvement. He just he looks like a young, super talented player who's ready to crash the gates, and I and I'm excited for it. Yeah. He's such a young player, too. And there's no question about the talent. You, you talked about the tools. We see it. When a young player has success at the major league level, we're, we're talking young player, what else is generally in in that package to lead to success in such a, a difficult game on young players? Emotional maturity. You know, it's 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 maybe the biggest thing. And, and Julio has exhibited that everywhere since he's been in the system. And it's as evident now as it's ever been. He's He's very smart. He's emotionally mature. I think he's he's inviting the challenges. And I think the thing I enjoy most about Julio is he never has a bad day. Mm. You know, it's a, he's just such a, a, a happy, outgoing, enjoyable person to be around. And I've seen him take an over, and and he'll have fun with it. He gets as competitive as anybody. And you haven't seen him take too many offers mm. the, along the, the ride so far. But he just comes back the next day, and he's a great teammate, and he's he has fun with it, and then he goes and hits rockets. And you know, to me, that's the easiest way to stay out of prolonged slumps is you never really feel like you're in one. Mm. And and uh, Julio has a has had a great way about him since the day he walked out on the field for the first time, and and each year it becomes more and more pronounced that that's part of who he is. You told us last year in September that you were going to give Julio every bit of a chance to make the club coming out of spring training this year. And you, you and Scott, you've lived up to your word. We're seeing a lot of Julio, and we know that he is auditioning for a spot on this opening day roster. When fans think back to the struggles of Jared Kelnick out of the gates last season, and obviously Jared, I mean, he, he came to the Mariners and he came to the Majors with um, as much hype maybe as Julio and certainly a pedigree. But you look at Julio – now, he was in the Olympics, of course, but if you look at at-bats for Julio above high A in his career, and he's barely 21 years old, which is hard to, to remember, I mean, he has fewer than 200 at-bats, right, above high A. So with that in mind, when you saw firsthand the struggle, struggles of Jared last year, and you know that Julio's a, a supreme talent, but nonetheless, we're not far removed from last season with Kelnick. I mean, how do you process potentially doing that again to a more extreme level with Julio from what we saw from Kelnick last year? I don't know if it's more extreme. He actually has more you okay. know, plate appearances than J.K. did at that same stage. And, you know, I think Jared had 92 uh, off the top of my head above a ball, and, and Julio has slightly more than that. There's all of these young players, through no fault of their own, wound up set back by the, the, the lost summer to, to COVID. They didn't get what show up on the sheet as those plate appearances. We did challenge J.K. last year, when, and it was a challenge for him. But he got a little bit better every month. And then I thought by September, he was one of our best offensive players. And, you know, he, he really showed you that, that I can be the, the player that you think I can be. And, and uh, you know, he came into spring training this year looking even more relaxed. 
you'll see a guy who's more upright in his stance, who's hitting the ball with authority to all fields, which there was a period last year where we saw nothing but to the pull side and, you know, really spinning off the ball and trying to hit it off the moon. Now you're seeing a guy who's just swinging it easy, like a PGA golfer and hitting rockets everywhere. I thought he had a very good day yesterday with a, you know, hit that seed into left center field, took a ball 410 feet to center field. There's, there's still so much talent there with JK. I can't tell you that Julio won't struggle in the same ways. It's a really hard league to play in, and it's a very hard league to adjust to as a 27-year-old, much less doing it at age 21. And, but when you are as talented as these guys are, at some point you just get out of their way and give them an opportunity. And, you know, do I know yet if they're ready to, to remove the training wheel, so to speak? I don't know, you know, but the only way we're going to find out is by throwing them in that pool and then believing in them and and knowing that the talent and the people and the work ethic and and the resiliency will ultimately overcome and they'll go do all those things that we ultimately believe they can and will. Great as always to hear from Jerry Depoto. We'll be hearing the full version of that conversation in the upcoming Wheelhouse podcast that will be released any day now to a podcast player near you. Well, we have plenty more ground to cover here on the Cactus League Report. Taking you up to first pitch, Mariners and the Brewers. Chris Flexen is up on the mound. When we return, we check in with one of our favorite scribes. That is Corey Brock of The Athletic. That's straight ahead on the Alaska Airlines Mariners Radio Network. When we're down here in Arizona, it's always nice to catch up with the riders who uh, maybe are, uh, well, they're working on some new angle each and every day, but they do end up walking past the booth often, and that means that we were able to track down a good friend of ours and yours as well, Corey Brock of The Athletic. And, you know, since the Mariners are beginning the season in Minnesota, we did. I think this is actually Gary, uh, to be fair about this. Gary did have to bring up the infamous basketball game with Corey, one of the great pieces in athletic journalism. I'll be honest, that is one of my favorite stories probably I've ever written. So it was the oral history of this, uh, They call it the, uh, Rick likes to call it the pickup game from hell. Um, a pickup basketball game in Minneapolis in 2018. And uh, there was a lot of carnage. Um, you know, good friend Rick Riz included, Dave Sims, uh, Edgar hurt his knee, I believe. Uh, it was it was great that the story was <laughs> well it made for a good it made for a good story hey goldie no one died you know Corey. we love Corey, but he's just like any other writer any yeah. other journalist like he just wants sensationalism drama that will sell subscriptions to the athletic i do have a family <laughs> <laughs> hey gary and i turned out okay so we're fine yeah we're fine yeah and rick Shoot. rick's bionic arm has never been better and Dave is running marathons now with that new Achilles. See, probably did him a favor in the long run. Yeah, I agree. See, it all worked out for everybody. And the insurance companies benefited as well. <laughs> yeah. So, as, so it's really a win-win-win. As it should. <laughs> well, as you've spent time in camp now. What's kind of your – what are you looking at in this camp? What interests you so far? I like watching the new guys, I guess, and I like watching the prospects. Uh, Jesse Winker, who's been here for over a week now. Uh, Gino Suarez, uh, he's fun to watch. I'm really excited to watch Robbie Ray. Um, Julio Rodriguez is kind of, those are can't miss at bats for me, as I'm sure it is for a lot of people. Um, you know, I, there's some storylines that have still yet to be determined as we sit here maybe two or so weeks away from the, the team breaking camp. Will they add another starting pitcher? Um, that's probably the biggest one. How will the bullpen shake out now that Casey Sadler's out for the year? So, uh, this team is not without question marks. I do think it's an improved team. 
Um, but uh, I don't, I'm not sure all the final pieces are here yet. We've enjoyed comparing and contrasting a little bit and getting people's opinions on the Kelnick hype when he was in a position to try to make the team and the Julio hype where he's in position to make the team or having an opportunity at least. So when you think back to uh, Kelnick pre-being on the club and now you look at what Julio, the hype around him right now, how do you see those as similar? Obviously, they're, they're similar in some ways, but how do you see them as different? Julio's just here just having a great time, just, you know, hitting bombs, stealing bases. I don't. I think people are really curious to see if he's going to make the club. And honestly, guys, maybe like you, I've gone back and forth on this. Like, mm. hey, he he probably he needs to go to the minors. And then I kind of watch him. Like, eh, I'm not so sure he does. <laughs> <laughs> and regardless, I think there's an opportunity here, even with your three outfielders, Winker, Kelnick, and Hanniger. You have that open DH spot where you could roll guys through. And um, I think it it might be a benefit to to have him if he's ready. Let him go. You're a Northwest kid, yes. and you have uh, covered between the Padres and Mariners, covered this game at this level for a long time. Uh, where do you put the Julio hype in kind of the bigger historical context? Yeah, you know, and I wasn't in San Diego when, um, you know, Tatis came up mm -hmm. or any of that. I had left by then. Um, Watched a lot of bad baseball there. Um, you really timed it well with the Padres. <laughs> <course>. Yeah. <laughs> Sunshine. Well, I used to tell people uh, that you, ca you can't live in paradise and cover a winning team. <laughs> but lo and behold, I, I, I am now. Um, yeah. What was the question, Gary? Julio. Julio. That was the question. Just Julio? Yeah, yeah. just whatever. I'd, I'd say anything like you want is, in terms of the hype around Julio, yeah, yeah. and you know, especially when you look at uh, recent prospects within the lens of the Mariners. This is as big as it's been, and you know, I'll put it in the bigger, maybe potentially than the the Kelnick bucket. You know, I, I remember there was somebody, and Rick might remember someone that rolled through here in 1989, who had no shot in you know what of making the team at the start of spring training played his way onto the team. And now I'm not comparing Julio to Ken Griffey Jr. by any means, but I feel like I've been watching this kid grow physically and, you know, maturity-wise and from a baseball sense since he was 19 years old. And every time I see him, he's bigger. He's stronger. He's faster. Um, the power is real. I, I'm just really curious to roll him into the season and see what kind of player he becomes. I'm, I'm utterly fascinated by... Julio Rodriguez and his enormous ceiling. Corey Brock of The Athletic is our guest, Aaron Goldsmith and Gary Hill. Corey, when you look at the offseason, uh, it was a, a fairly busy offseason for Jerry and company in the front office. If you were to circle one move that you think will be the most impactful for the Mariners, and there were a number of impactful moves made, what, what would that be? Well, you know, I will say Robbie Ray, even though – you know, look, they had to they had to fill some holes with the offense. This is one of baseball's least productive offenses a year ago, and that they won 90 games despite all that is really notable and really points to the strength of this team, which was the bullpen. Um, but I would say I'll I'll still say Robbie Ray. This is a very notable signing. He won a Cy Young last year. He has, he misses a lot of bats. Um, he instantly made this rotation better. They they needed a guy like him at the top, and this is no knock on on Marco Gonzalez or Logan Gilbert, who I think is going to be fabulous, or Chris Flexen, but I think they really needed that anchor, and I think he's going to be really good. I can't wait to watch him pitch. Um, you know, as I look at the offense, some of these, the you know, adding Jesse Winker I think was really important. You just didn't have Jesse Winker in your system. You know, you didn't. 
you know, there was no other means of getting him. Like the Reds probably, you know, uh, before the lockout may have not have even wanted to trade him. And sure, you had to take on Gino Suarez's contract, which I think is completely manageable and fair. And he might be a bounce-back candidate. So I do think the offense will be better. I think it's a little unrealistic to expect that bullpen to be as good, even if Casey Sadler was healthy. I mean, it was, uh, you know, magic pixie dust everywhere uh, last summer with those guys. I still think it'll be a pretty good unit. But, um, you know, 90 wins, I think, is you know is still going to be really tough to come by. The big thing they have going for them, a lot of things, of course. But, you know, the expanded playoffs should help. I'm glad you hit on the bullpen because it was such a massive part to the season a year ago. And as we know, bullpens can be up and down from year to year. How do you view this bullpen in terms of what what's the key to put it together to perform at a similar type level as last year? Well, now with Casey Sadler out, I think you know health is always key, yeah. right? But I, I, they can't afford to lose any more guys. Um, you have some really interesting guys. Andres Munoz, we saw the last game of the year last year, you know, pumping 101 or whatever, been up to 104. Um, he'll be fun to watch. Ken Giles. Um, we haven't seen those guys in games yet. You know, they're coming along a little slower, but we will see them. Um, Paul Seewald, you know, I really loved his story last year. Um, you know, one of the best things about baseball, I think, is the, you know, you sort of get that nonlinear development path for all these guys. Everybody's story is a little different. And, um, you know, he put it all together last year, and it was just fabulous. He struck out over 100 guys in relief and didn't come up until May. I know you're working on a story on Paul, so tell us everything you've written so far. That's a great segue. Uh, really <laughs> is. Now, I'm not going to give away all the secrets, okay, but his mom and dad were both accountants, and he studied accounting. How about that? When you spoke to his parents, did they tell you how disappointed they are in him that he's not an accountant? It's incredible. Yeah, just the, 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 shame. the depths of their – yeah, the shame and disappointment is – is really heavy. I, I, I would let's just you say can't even calculate it. Like the holidays are probably really rough. Over there. <laughs> <laughs> One last thing. Yeah. Uh, what's your favorite part about covering spring training? Oh, it's you know, it's the access, and I, it was taken away from us the clubhouse time and talking to players, and I know everyone here kind of feels the same way. I know Shannon feels the same way that we finally got back in there and got a chance to talk to guys in person. And that's where, that's where you get these stories. That's where you form these relationships. It's not asking a guy questions over Zoom. You know, if I'm working on something I don't necessarily want other people to know about, I can't ask that question on Zoom. Um, you know, somebody else is going to get that idea. But a lot of fun stories, a lot of interesting things come out just by being in that clubhouse, not hanging around, but, you know, being respectful of their time and their space. But, you know, I think they're much more relaxed in there and, um, it, it's been really great to be back in the clubhouse. I will say that. I love the pace of it. I'm a morning guy. Um, you guys have children. You get it. Um, so, <laughs> so I don't I don't mind the early morning stuff, and um, it's been great. Um, it, I've really enjoyed this. Well, we certainly enjoyed catching up with Corey Brock of The Athletic, kind enough to join us here on the Cactus League Report. Plenty more to get to when we return. We hear from Mariners catcher Tom Murphy. That comes up on the Alaska Airlines Mariners Radio Network. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. 
Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome back inside the Cactus League Report as we hand things over to Rick Riz and Tom Murphy as the Mariners catcher catches us up on his feelings on the start of the season. Obviously, everybody's excited. I mean, the fan base should be super excited, and I know we are as players. I think the biggest thing I'm looking forward to is kind of recreating that culture we had towards the end, second half of the end, uh, you know, last year. Um, that was the most entertaining part of it all, and that's not something the fans obviously see too often, but uh, we truly created a, a tight brotherhood with this team, and I think that's what you saw in the second half and why we were so successful. So that's my biggest goal so far. What was it like playing in those final three games of the year? 44,000 people, three sellouts against the Angels, the final three days of the regular season out of T-Mobile Park. It was fantastic, to say the least. I mean, that's as much fun as you can have playing baseball. And, uh, you know, I, I don't consider myself anybody to be in, the, you know, in this game right now. Um, but just walking down the streets of, of Seattle during those last two weeks and hearing go Ams everywhere you go, it was just yeah. like this, this city lit up for us, and it was as much fun as you could ask for. Tom, you're in charge of, I think, uh, a pitching staff is one of the best in, in the American League. The, that bullpen last year was just lights out with a lot of guys that I, I didn't know who they were. A lot of guys around baseball didn't know who they were, and they turned out to be one of the best bullpens in all of baseball. What made that pen last year so successful? I think our organization has done a great job of simplifying what our pitchers need to do and what they need to worry about. Um, If there's one thing you can point to as a developmental standpoint and and where we're successful, it's on the pitching side and doing that. And when you get into the big leagues, it's really easy to overdo things. And that's the last thing you need to do. You know, you need to pick exactly what you're good at and do it more often. And that's all our guys did. And it was, it showed on paper that it was going to work. And then it showed in the game that it worked even better. So I think those guys, as long as they keep that mindset of keeping it simple and doing what they do well all the time, it's going to be the same story. Yeah, they were amazing last year. Talking about amazing, you said you caught a young man yesterday here at the complex, and we saw him on the final day of the regular season, Andres Munoz, throwing 101 miles an hour. Tell me about this kid coming back from Tommy John's surgery. How good is he? He is fantastic, and he is just a, a bright young kid. Um, he's from Mexico. I got to I got to know him a little bit when I injured my foot in 2020. He was down here rehabbing his Tommy John surgery. Um, so there's a lot of things you don't know about this guy. You know, he, he was a triple jumper in Mexico as well, um, a phenomenal athlete, and you wouldn't know it looking at him. You know, and so and then he gets on the mound, and he you know he's got he's got braces. He's a young kid, you know, and he's throwing 102 miles an hour, and he's going to throw the fastest fastball in this league this year, and I, I don't doubt that one bit. And he's out there for for blood, like I said, on the mound. But you get it off the mound, he's just a bright young kid, and it, it's fantastic. Visited with Mariners catcher Tom Murphy. Tom, GM Jerry Depoto has built one of the best farm systems in all the baseball. What really stands out the top young starters that were down at Everett last year, and they made the trek to Double A Arkansas. Brandon Williamson, who's been traded away in the last few days, but also Matt Brash and Levi Stout and George Kirby, Emerson Hancock. Uh, George had a chance to throw in yesterday's ball game. What are you seeing from these kids right now, and how close are they? They're extremely close. And from what I see, and again, this is uh, uh, credit to the Mariners organization, they do thing, two things really well on the pitching side. They let the pitchers be themselves, both you know physically and emotionally, which I think is really important for a young pitcher coming up. Um, so that way they can seamlessly you know just come onto the team and be themselves. You know That's what everybody would want out of their career. Uh, and then also, again, getting back to the simplifying things. We, we simplify things to the point where they don't have to worry about more than what they need to do every day. And so 
these kids have three or four years of, of built up, you know, daily grind of just doing the right thing all the time because the organization gives the tools to do that. And all of a sudden you're seeing guys that are big league ready in double A, triple A. They're just waiting for their opportunity, which is exactly what an organization wants. Then you have a veteran guy like uh, Robbie Ray, who uh, a couple of years ago had a rough time looking for that right arm slot and control. Then, yes, last year he puts together an incredible season. The American League Cy Award winner for the Toronto Blue Jays now joins the rotation. What are you seeing out of Robbie Ray this spring? He was first in everything last year in the American League. Yeah, I'm seeing the same sort of, of uh, you know, wanted will to to do the same thing this year for this team and even more i mean he wants to be the best guy on the mountain and he wants the ball um and that's what you want out of your race you know you want the ultimate competitor to be your, your number one guy there's plenty of stuff in this league but if you don't have that second gear where you can get to you know just i'm going to compete every single time i'm out there because not everybody's going to have the best stuff every day we all know that but you can come to the mound with 100% of your mind and just ready to go every single day, and that's why I get out of Robbie. And that's that's what he's going to give our young pitchers too is, is that sort of you know guidance throughout their career as well and, and making sure that that's at the forefront. Let's talk about Tom Murphy. I mean, you're in charge of that pitching staff, and there's so much talent on the pitching staff. What are you looking to do this year? What kind of changes have you made? Uh, what was your offseason like as you get ready for 2022? Yeah, I tried to put a lot of the offensive stuff behind me last year. Um, yeah, I obviously – I try to train as hard as everybody does, um, and just you know, I want to bring more to the table that this year. Um, obviously, stay healthy throughout the whole year. I was really battling injuries last year, um, but ultimately, I know my job is to guide the pitching staff again. You know, we were last in the league in walks, and I think that was huge for us. Obviously, we want to dominate the zone. Jerry talks about it all the time, and that's what really kind of guided us last year. And you know, I've I've never sat so much in the middle of the plate in my career. But our guys were having so much success doing it and just filling up the strike zone that it, it seems asinine to ask them to do something else. So really, I want to pick up, like I said, where we left off last year, where our focus is to dominate the zone again as a pitching staff. And I'm going to be there every step I can to, to remind our pitchers that that's our goal. Sitting up in the middle of the plate, is that because their stuff was so good you could set up right there and the ball was moving all over the place in and out? Yeah, a little bit of that and a little bit of the fact that everybody needs to throw strikes. You know, and the best opportunity for guys to throw strikes is to think about the heart of the play for the most part. And, you know, the point of having good stuff is to be able to use it in the strike zone more often. Yeah. You know, good stuff is only as good as, as, as how many throw, strikes you throw. So really, again, that's, that's our biggest goal is to get that really good stuff in the zone more often and then obviously just expand when we need to. Tom, a couple of years ago, you showed us a very unique off-season regime uh, where you live. I think the only thing you didn't do was wrestle a bear or something <laughs> like that. Is it still kind of crazy having fun to get you ready, uh, you know, during the off-season to get you ready for spring training? Anything different? Anything crazier this year? Uh, no, it's a, it's a little bit of like a Rocky Four scene, you know, <laughs> where I'm just kind of out in the wilderness doing my thing. I, I have everything I need in my house, which is in the middle of nowhere, and it's exactly how I like to spend my off-season. So I, I have a lot of fun doing it. I have three kids as well, so it's a, it's a day full of crazy for me. What, what's the craziest thing you did to get ready? I mean, in the day in the life of Tom Murphy during the offseason? Uh... Nothing crazy. I mean, I, sometimes I'll throw my pack on. Like, I have a big pack for when I go out west to hunt. I'll, I'll throw, you know, 100 pounds or whatever in that and then oh, do do your lawn care with that on or something like that. So I always try to find ways to stay creative. But, again, with the three kids, you're pretty worn out and <laughs> had to tone it down sometimes. Well, that'll get you ready for the season. Tom, always a pleasure. Good luck this year. It's going to be a heck of a year. Thanks, Riz. I'm excited as well. 
Oh, thanks to uh, all who made this Cactus League report possible. It was good to hear from Jerry DePoto. Remember, you can catch the latest Wheelhouse podcast coming out in just a matter of days, wherever you find your podcast. Also, Corey Brock of The Athletic joining us here on the Cactus League report, and you just heard from Tom Murphy. So, with all that in mind, for Gary Hill, Shannon Dreher, and Matt Nelson, I'm Aaron Goldsmith. Hey, we're coming right back. we got Mariners baseball on tap after this timeout.